Your music is performed live, broadcast on radio, streamed. There's a there's something called a performance royalty that's collected, mm-hmm. and then there's the AMCOS side of things, and that is uh, look it looks after the mechanical royalty or a reproduction royalty is what it's often called. So that's when your work is reproduced, sold commercially. For example, a, a digital download or an album sale. There is also mm-hmm. another separate royalty called a mechanical royalty that is paid to the songwriters and composers as well. So two different kinds of rights and our job is to collect those uh, royalties and pay them to songwriters and creators. Welcome to Songwriter Trists, an intimate podcast that is connecting songwriters from all over the world. I'm singer-songwriter Ray Lee. Music saved my life and I want to talk to other songwriters about the power of songwriting, talk about their journey and how they got to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons and emotions, all the great things that build an amazing song. To support the podcast and follow our journey, you can find us on songwritertrists.com. with APRA AMCOS representative, Carolyn McKnight. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you for joining me. We're going to talk about APRA AMCOS today, why it's important for people to be a member if they're in Australia or other affiliate associations if it's international. But essentially we'll focus around Australian royalties today. Can you start by telling me a little bit about who you are, where you come from and what it is that your role is in APRA? Yeah, so my name's Caroline. I am, I've worked for APRA AMCOS for quite a while now, actually. Um, I've always kind of worked in around artists, songwriters, visual artists, that sort of thing. My, my current role is working with uh, predominantly our songwriter members, doing some education. So sometimes that involves talks, sometimes it means going to universities and having chats to, you know, songwriter um, students. And that's why you're here today. And that's why I'm here. <laughs> that's why you got the job of coming to educate us on what APRA AMCOS is. Can I ask you a quick question though, just for curiosities, because it's my personality's sake. How did you end up in this this role? Like, what's your journey? Uh, yes, yeah, so I started working at APRA AMCOS a number of years ago, um, really early on, and I um, was kind of working in the licensing side of things and and the writer um, side of things. And then I just had a real love for the work that is done there and that Mm -hmm. it supports artists. I went on a little bit of a journey and went and studied some visual art and used to work in commercial um, art galleries and things like that. But I really, uh, really liked this this role, this, um, you know, working for APRA AMCOS and supporting songwriters. So I came back and, and now, um, yeah, sort of created a position in this education space, which I love. Which is really important because we do need to know about what it is that we can do to get supported as artists. So um, where should we begin? Why don't you tell us a little bit about, like, who is APRA AMCOS and what do they do? Sure. Um, so APRA AMCOS is, I'll, I'll tell you the long the name, the long acronym, it stands for, it's the Australasian Performing Right Association and the AMCOS is the Australasian Mechanical Copyright Owners Society. Mm. What it means is there's uh, there's certain rights available to songwriters. So if you write, if you're a composer or a songwriter, if you create your own music, then you own the copyright in that music and with that copyright, you have a right to earn royalties Mm -hmm. when your music is performed. So APRA, 
um, is the performing right organisation. And so if your music is performed live, broadcast on radio, streamed, there's a there's something called a performance royalty that's collected. Mm-hmm. And then there's the AMCOS side of things. And that is, uh, look, it looks after the mechanical royalty or a reproduction royalty is what it's often called. So that's when your work is reproduced, sold commercially, for example, a, a digital download or an album sale, there is also mm-hmm. another separate royalty called a mechanical royalty that is paid to the songwriters and composers as well. So two different kinds of rights and our job is to collect those uh, royalties and pay them to songwriters and creators. Right. Okay, so this is going to need to clarify something for me now <laughs> because AMCOS sounds a lot like PPCA, I think it is. <laughs> yeah, the Phonographic Performance Company of Australia. That is a very, yes. um, a very good point. So... It's, it's separate. It is separate. And, and the way that I can explain it is there is, a, there is a royalty in the song itself when you wrote the song mm-hmm. and that's what we represent. So APRA AMCOS, when you're the writer, we mm-hmm. represent you. PPCA looks after the sound recording. Mm-hmm. So there are also copyright owners of a sound recording, but that's a potentially larger group of people. Mm-hmm. That could be a record company. It could also be the songwriters. Uh, the people performing on the um, recording, that sort of thing. So there's yep. there's a copyright in the sound recording itself, but then there's copyright in the original song. So right. that work could be reproduced a number of times over, but the same people would be collecting those royalties yep. as as the creators. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Because there is a um, there's a growing you know which anyone on YouTube can see of people doing covers and creating yes. their own original version of a song that someone else wrote. Um, and so you're saying that they own the copyright of that recording of that, but then exactly. the songwriter gets the yes. That so in that's it's a really good example. So if you, there is a cover performed, you're completely right. There is the copyright owners in the new recording, mm-hmm. the new version, uh, but there's still the same copyright owners who wrote the music itself. So mm-hmm. um, you know a Beatles cover is still going to be Lennon and McCartney as the original songwriters, but then you and I could own the sound recording if we did our own version. Yeah, right. Mm. And does someone have to get because because it happens all the time and you know we're performing covered gigs at every pub around the country uh, yes. on a regular basis. What's the rights or you know what what's important for those people to be able to do that? Sure. You know, do they have to get a permission? Uh, no. It, well, that's a, it's a really uh, it's a really good question. So the way that it works is. Um, I guess if we can take a step back, yep. the way that it works is the money that APRA AMCOS uh, pays out to songwriters, that money has to come from somewhere. We're mm-hmm. not government funded. Mm-hmm. The money comes purely from the licensing of those who are – so music users. Mm-hmm. So let's say a business that has music and that could be background music. It could be a live band. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could be a hairdressing salon playing music in the background. could be a podcast. We're a licensed user. It could be a podcast. <laughs> that's exactly right. I think it's right. a digital mini licence or something yeah, like that. that's exactly yeah. right. So if you are um, creating a public performance of music, mm-hmm. and, and when I say a public performance, that is uh, literally, you know, playing it in your shop, for example, or yeah. in your restaurant or pub, yeah. you have to have a licence to do so. So you go to um, – it's actually One Music and One Music is – that's an APRA and mm-hmm. APRA and PPCA initiative. So the two right. organisations have the licensing um, initiative there where you – so you get a licence from One Music. Mm-hmm. That money is then turned around and paid back to the songwriters and composers right. who um, who write the music. So let's say your example of performing covers in a pub, let's say, mm-hmm. you would 
that venue would have a licence yep. to have music performed there. And then the people who turn up and play those songs, they don't have to pay anything. It's about um, the the licence being covered by the business the itself. Right. Exactly. So the, the people who are performing don't need to think about that. What mm. they need to think about is am I performing any of my original songs or am I performing covers? And the way that it works is if you perform your originals, you should be a member of APRA AMCOS. Mm. Um, so as a member of APRA, you would uh, do what's called a performance report mm-hmm. and you tell us about your songs that you've played live and the venue and the date and what your set list looked like and we'll pay you for those live performances. Mm -hmm. Now, a great thing to do is if you also perform covers in your set, put those covers on your performance report because Mm -hmm. what we do is we will then pay the songwriters of those original songs uh, the royalty for your performance. Yep. Can I ask, is it um, the – when you fill in an app reform, you've got to tell it how long your song goes for. Yes. Um. And I'm, I'm just curious about this. This might just be a me thing but no one else probably cares because <laughs> I'm such a nerd. But that minute thing, does that make a difference to the royalty that's paid out for that song? Uh, it won't. Um, what will happen and, – and that's – it's a good point because, for example – um, the royalty would be a bit – it's a flat fee mm-hmm. that we would pay out. It changes each year depending on the amount of money that we've collected and the amount of money we're distributing. So it yeah. will fluctuate slightly. Yeah. Um, it's sort of usually between 2 $3 per performance per song. Yeah. Now, if it's a two-minute song or if it's a four-minute song, it will generate the same royalty. Yeah. You will find that for our composers that write uh, longer pieces, yeah. for example, a performance of a classical or yeah. a jazz piece could go for 40 minutes. Yeah. And at that point, there is a way for those composers to earn a different royalty and it will be based on the duration. But for most songs, when you register a song with us, you will say what the title is, who wrote it, what the percentage splits are, and you'll also give us a duration. That duration is subject to change and that's perfectly fine. What we do want to know is if it goes over sort of six minutes, then it's worth kind of contacting us and letting us know. But, you know, your standard songs – the duration won't make a difference. I've always been curious because I was filling in my copyright um, for a covers gig I did once mm-hmm. and Oasis Wonderwall was listed as like 0.01 second. And I was like, I wonder if that's just him being really generous and not wanting royalties for the millions of times that song is being played. So that's that was that's the main reason for the question. I do want to ask a curious question again. Um, this is a selfish question. But how, how do you actually, like, is it a legally enforced thing with venues to have a licence? How do you enforce that? Like, what, because I've definitely been to venues where they're like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. In, yes. And it's frustrating because I'm like, well, as an artist, that is one of the only ways I actually earn a living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but w- w- how does that work? Yeah. Um, it's difficult. Okay. <laughs> it's a really, it's a really big yeah. job. Um, so our, you know, our licensing teams work really hard at. I guess the one thing is trying to educate people and let them know. Uh, you know, my my example is always if you owned, if you opened a bar, mm. you wouldn't dare do so without a liquor license. Mm. So the same thing goes that there is this license in place for this create, you know, this public performance of music, and it's a very difficult message I think to get through to a lot of people that it is really important and the, and the money really does go back to the songwriters mm. um, but your question on how do you do it is it's about trying to reach you know mm. educate business owners and and having all of those avenues in place where we can get that message out there and also knocking on the door and 
giving them a call and saying, hey, yeah. it is actually their legal right to have – they actually do – you do actually have to have a licence. It's not a – it's not a um, you can't – it's not a choice. That's what I was going to ask. I mean with a liquor licence, if you don't have one and you get busted, that's a big fine. Is mm. there like legal ramifications for businesses being caught – performing music without a licence? Uh, no, it's not that they would be um, – but they would be followed up until, there, until yeah. there comes a point where, yes, it can become a legal um, yeah, okay. dispute. It is actually in the Copyright Act, okay. so it is a legal requirement that they do have to have a licence. So for anyone who is kind of, you know, not – not taking yeah, that, that license, yeah. they will be. It'll it'll just keep going. It can become it can become a lengthy, long All right. battle. <laughs> and because um, some, I don't even know if this is relevant, really. But I'm now, now you're here. I'm going to answer questions. Because some gyms and some places that I've been that do have music playing, that you know, I've spoken to owners and they're like, oh no, we only use royalty free you know, libraries or Pandora or something like that where, you know, technically there's no copyright associated to it. But I'm like, yeah, but someone's had to create that. There has to be a copyright somewhere. How does yeah. that work? There are there are ways. Um, if you, you There is copyright-free music mm-hmm. and that does mean that the people who created it have actually signed away their, their legal rights to it. So there are libraries out there of copyright-free music. So, look, it is, a, um, it is an option for people. Mm. It's just that it's not always... Why do you the think people would do that? If someone was looking at music. signing their music up. Yeah. Well, because um, I, I, I've definitely, you know, been online. You're always looking for ways to get your songs out mm. there and heard by as many people as possible because that's what we, we create it to be heard. Um, but I have read on some websites, you know, you've got to read the fine detail and you go, yes. you're waving your copyright. And I was like, whoa, like no. But literally you could sign it away with a tick of a box huh. and it's gone. Like This it's, is a really huge thing and I, and I think – your point is so important and I think in general a lot of that online activity and where you are placing your music is not to be um not to be kind of discounted how important it is to read the fine print Mm -hmm. because as you say a tick of a box can sometimes you know put you in a situation that you weren't aware of if you haven't taken a moment to actually read that fine print so you're correct mm. you can sign away your copyright you can also do things like enter into agreements that you weren't aware of you know there are some of those online aggregators for example where what you may not realize is that you have actually entered into a publishing agreement without realizing it mm. so we're always sort of saying to people not to not to suggest not doing any of those online agreements it's really important you know with so much activity happening online, you need to be on there. You just need to be savvy and aware that it is as good as a signature ticking a box. That's so scary, isn't it? It's like, mm. And I, I've definitely had that experience of meeting people who are young and excited and they just want a record label deal or they just want a manager or they just want a publishing deal, right? Yes. Um, but not necessarily understanding what that means. And I, I tried to explain it to a group of people once where it was like, Getting a publishing deal where you've signed a piece of paper and not received anything, it's like telling you you sold your car for free. Actually, yeah. you've just given your car away, right? Like, Because your copyright is value. It's, it's a product, isn't it? How do you explain that to people? What, what mm. do you guys do to... I mean, I think the biggest thing is actually 
doing anything like that, you know, building a team, bringing on a publisher, bringing on a manager, anything like that. The reason why you do that is because you need it Mm. and you're at a point in your career where it will benefit you, Mm. not because it will make you feel like you're successful because you've signed with a publisher or because you've brought on a manager, that sort of thing. I think that what you really need to be aware of is um, a publisher should be there working for you. Their job is to promote your music. It's to get your music into places where you would otherwise be unable to do so. So Mm. unless a publisher is able to do that for you, it's of no use and you will literally just be giving away often 50% of your royalties. Mm. So for example, if you were to sign an agreement with a publisher and you, what it would often be is 50-50, 50-50, for example, and that's mm-hmm. for the performing right. Now, that's for radio broadcast, TV broadcast, live performances. That means that, you know, for as long as that agreement lasts for, anything that you're earning on those songs is going to be paid to that publisher. So what you want mm-hmm. is for them to be working really hard on your songs and getting them into places where you would otherwise be unable to get them to yourself. Mm. And so that increases the value of what you're actually getting. And Absolutely. Hopefully it works for everyone. But, yeah, okay, so that's that's mm. kind of that what haven't we covered now? Because I'm kind of, <laughs> we've kind of gone through the list of who you are. Um, we haven't talked about the fact that it is free to be a member. How how is the process for signing up to become a, a member of APRA? Yeah, I think that's a um, that's a good place to start. Yeah, APRA AMCOS. It's too um, there. Are, technically, when you join up, so you go online. It's on the website. It's really simple. Mm-hmm. You join up as a member. It's free. Uh, you don't pay us anything. So the difference between being a licensee or being a member is very different. You're not paying us a thing. We're paying you, hopefully, mm-hmm. if your music's happen, you know, getting yeah. played somewhere. So you go to the website, you join up as a member. If your music is – you can choose to be a member of APRA and AMCOS. So as I said before, AMCOS is the reproduction right, the mechanical right. Mm-hmm. So if your music's out there being commercially reproduced, sold, that sort of thing, you want to think about joining up with AMCOS. If you're a published writer, so if you have a publisher representing you already, you don't need AMCOS. Okay. They are um, – your publisher will otherwise collect the mechanical royalties for you. So that's an important mm, point. Okay. If anyone is a member and they're unsure if their membership is APRA and AMCOS, uh, get in contact with us. Yeah, that's a good one because I signed up to APRA before AMCOS came on board. So I had to then go and make an amendment when I discovered that mm. AMCOS had – been created since then um when did that happen when did the actually it's been AMCOS has been around since 1977 oh okay so it's actually been under the umbrella together for a long time but I think it's often you know many of our members are APRA only members and it sort of was this extra service that you would have to ask for but it's probably now um it's really easy to sign up and as I said if you're not a published writer and if your music's out there getting reproduced in any way you, you probably should join AMCOS. So what I would suggest is, um, so once you've joined up, you then get, you can use our portal and our app. So it's on the website, you Mm -hmm. have your own logins. And Mm -hmm. it means that when you log in, it will, um, you have a dashboard that pops up with your name, all your details, all of your songs that you've registered with us. And there you'll be able to see if you're APRA and AMCOS. Mm -hmm. Um, And another really important point is to register your songs. (laughs) So if you, once you are a member, um, you register your songs with us. And Mm -hmm. so the reason you do that is because you're a copyright owner. You may co-own the copyright in those songs. So for example, if you and I wrote a song together, we may decide to just split it 50-50, which Mm -hmm. many people do. Mm -hmm. Um, One of you jumps online, logs in as yourself as a member and registers that song. You just tell us what the title is, the vague duration, uh, who the songwriters are, 
make sure you get their name right, um, spelt correctly, and your percentage splits. Yeah. So it could be 50-50, could be 75-25. It's really uh, down to each, um, you know, situation, how you register that. Yeah. Once that song's registered and sitting in our system, it can then start to generate royalties. And everyone gets an individual IPI, don't they? What's that? Correct. An IPI is uh, a unique identifier for uh, members of copyright collection societies. So Mm -hmm. not only APRA AMCOS but also our affiliate societies around the world. So Mm -hmm. as you mentioned before, uh, we are affiliated with other organisations the same as – that do similar to what we do. So performing right organisations, mechanical right organisations. So if your song's played on the radio in another country, for Mm -hmm. example, then there is a society um, in in that – country that is doing what we're doing here, collecting all the royalties for the music that's being played within their territory. Mm -hmm. And then their job, the same as it's our job, is we have to send out those royalties to the societies where those songwriters are members. Okay. So how does that work? Say I'm touring, like I'm in Texas in two weeks' time. I pick up a guitar and I sing a song in a pub over there, even if it's just for like an open mic, whatever. I don't know. How does that work when someone goes on tour internationally? Like, do we have to let you know, or does it happen automatically? What happens? Yeah, so um, you do have to let us know. So what 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 you don't need to let us know about is things like radio, TV, um, streaming, that sort of thing. It's done for you. We collect all that data and internationally pay it out. or just Australia internationally okay. as well. So those other societies again doing the job on the ground of their territory, mm-hmm. they'll do that for you. Live performances are different. So live performances are a self-reporting system. So. Mm-hmm. Domestic, so Australia and New Zealand, which is our territory that we look after, if you're mm-hmm. doing performances there, you jump online, jump onto the app or the portal, you submit a performance report. If you do overseas live performances, you submit what's called an overseas live performance return. And so there is same kind of thing. We You give us the same information, dates, venues, your set lists. Mm-hmm. We send that overseas performance report to the overseas society mm-hmm. and uh, – request that they pay a royalty for the live performances that took place. Mm-hmm. Keeping in mind not every territory is as good at paying out live yeah. as we are here, mm-hmm. but 100% once you have done your tour, played your shows, jump online and submit those straight away so we can get it to that society and try and get you royalties as quickly as we can. Okay, so we, we've covered the fact that you need to sign up. Um, one of the things that happens with me when I do a co-write, especially if I'm working in a songwriting night and we've got new, new people who aren't members of APRA, um, what happens when I go on and register someone who actually isn't a member, I just put their name? So they're still technically a copywriter but they're not a member of APRA. How do you guys handle that? What what happens? It's a very good question. Uh, what we do is we hold on to the royalty for them and wait for them to join. Mm-hmm. So there is a name that will be sitting in our system with money against it and we will hold on to it in the hope that that person comes and joins us. Now, there's only there's only a certain amount of years that we can hold on to that money for. So anyone who is co-writing mm-hmm. with people and they know they're not members, please tell them to <laughs> join. It is what will happen every time anyone joins us. There will be a check in our system to see if there are any royalties against that name. Yeah. And we'll – so some people might log in and notice that there are songs that say, you know, It'll be in their list of songs that may say, you know, that it's an unregistered work and we believe it to be yours, that sort of thing. Yeah. So a really important point I think about being members 
is telling your friends that they should join because there is the potential that money would be sitting there waiting for them. Yeah. Oh, if I had a penny for every time I told someone to join APRA. Yes. <laughs> I'd yes. be rich. Um, <laughs> so with, with that, is it like what's the limit? Is it like two years? Is it 10 years? Like how does it work? So I think I have heard a story and this is not uncommon – but uh, of people who weren't members of APRA, someone's finally told them about it, but they're like a full-time musician and somehow didn't know about APRA. Mm-hmm. And then they've gone in and, you know, they've updated their performance reports for so many years. How far back does that go? What happens with all of that? How's yeah, it work? so I think that there was, a, there was a change in recent years where I think now the royalties to be kept for someone who's not a member is three years. Okay. But if somebody has, um, if you if you join and you haven't submitted, because it's, the unfortunate thing is there are people who've been gigging for 20 years and they've never submitted a performance report. Mm. Unfortunately, you can only go back to the start of the financial year in which you've joined. Um, right. But there are also some people probably sitting out there who are, they know that they're members and they haven't submitted a performance report for years. Yep. If you're already a member, I think you can go back three years. Okay. But yeah, it's um, it's definitely there are many sign stories. now people sign now <laughs> sign now. Okay, so let's not miss out on money because um, that that does get paid out on a, on a quarterly basis. I quarterly, think, or, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and I mean, I think I literally got a payment into my bank account last night. Um, and it's always a surprise yes, because I'm never expecting it. <laughs> did you do that? <laughs> there was a money. distribution yesterday. <laughs> there was a distribution <laughs> yesterday. Thank you. Thank you. And this is That's the nice. thing. I think that, um, you know, it, it is this extra money that, like I say, it's probably the live stuff where you have to do it yourself. Mm. And I think that if you don't do it, you're just missing out. You're just missing out on royalties. So you really – it's a little bit of admin. Mm. But if you get into the swing of it and you get into the habit of it, I, I always suggest to people that once you finish a gig the next day or well, that night if you're really gung-ho mm. – jump onto the app, submit your performance report. It'll take you about two minutes. It's really quick. The app changed my life as far as submitting Good. <laughs> performance reports and registering songs because yeah. um, I definitely was like with both of those things before when it was a bit hard, like I've got to sit down, I've got to log in. And now the app's on my phone. Um, I, I love that. And I have spoken to people who um, who do gig all, you know, multiple times every weekend doing cover gigs, but they always will, will, they'll always perform original songs as well. And yep. these people report to me that they've made enough money to pay for their flights to go overseas or p- pay for conferences or things that, you know, wouldn't kind of usually fit into the budget. So it's like it's a bit of extra bonus money. Totally. But it's available and as an artist you need everything you can get because equipment's not cheap, you know. No, that's <laughs> exactly right. everything else that we do. Um, so, yeah, no, I think it's, it's, it's really important yeah. because this is how we create a living. And how does it work? Because copyright doesn't die with the creator. Mm. How does that work for yeah. afterwards? It's so copyright within this territory is 70 years, lasts for 70 years after the death of a composer. Mm-hmm. Now, what that also means is if there are co writers, it's the last remaining copyright owner of a song. Right. I am going to start putting my kids' that. names on all of my songs. <laughs> yes, there you go. One percent, Gabriel Lee. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Um, Thanks for the tip. <laughs> There are different copyright durations around the world. There's copyright. New Zealand is still 50 years, um, but it's being changed. It's being phased in, I think, over the next few years. It'll be 70. Uh, So the way that it works is then when a songwriter passes away, Mm -hmm. so a member of APRA, we then have um, a successor in title membership. So that means that when 
one of our members passes away, whoever is legally left with um, the rights to to the copyright of their music. So their next of kin? Or yeah, it normally it would be exactly and it would be written into the will or something like that. But, yes, mm-hmm. whoever that is then joins up with us as a successor in title member and mm-hmm. they will continue to earn royalties if that music is still being played and performed. So that's, I guess, again, like a free thing that – Exactly. Do, you, do they have to contact you? What happens if yes. that happens and they – are unaware of yes. that side of things. How does that work? Um, unfortunately, it's one of those situations that is a very difficult thing for us to go and seek out people from, you know, mm. family members of people that have passed away, also highly sensitive area. So mm. unfortunately, yes, it does mean that they need to contact us, but that money will sit and stay. That that rule won't apply, the three-year rule. We'll continue to collect that money until such time as a family member or beneficiary joins as, okay. as a successor entitled. So there's that, that's a d- different, more sensitive situation and Definitely. more understanding and that's beautiful. If they're in a different country, what would they mm. be looking up to join their country? What would they Google? Yeah. I would probably Google uh, Copyright Collection Society. Okay. Um, you should be able to find your local, well, probably Copyright Collection Society in what country you're in. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, if you... Um, you can join another collection society, but you can only join one. So um, you can join APRA AMCOS if you live in another territory. Mm-hmm. Many of our members uh, live overseas. Mm-hmm. So many of the people, and particularly people who are from Australia or New Zealand and have moved overseas, you remain a member of APRA right, AMCOS. So you, you don't, don't need to change it. Not at all. Not Which at all. Mean? Yeah. And all- Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that was my chair. Because <laughs> my husband's British. So if we decided to pick up and live in the UK, I could just remain an APRA member and submit Absolutely. my performance reports. But then would I let you know I'm living and performing in the UK? Yeah, definitely. And and what's really interesting too is we've got um, writer services representatives based in a couple of territories around the world where we know that a lot of our members are. So we've got someone based in the UK and they mm-hmm. look after Europe and the UK and their job over there is to connect with our members who are over there, connect them up with one another and have um, and, and also introduce them to people within the industry. So mm-hmm. we've got people on the ground in those territories. We've got... Um, Someone, uh, his name's Mark Moffat, based in Nashville, really well See, connected. I think connected online. Yeah. yeah, and he's amazing, and he's he'll introduce you to you know people in the industry, but also other other APRA members around the area as well. So their job is to kind of connect you within that industry. That's a, that's an added benefit of being a member is mm. that if you're touring or travelling for development or whatever it is the chances are there's an APRA representative yeah. where you're going. Yeah, so there's sort of there's only a few of them, but they're probably in the main territories where we know a lot of our members are. So like I said, UK and Europe, we've also got um, someone named Sam. Sam Cook is her name actually, what a great name, um, who is – she's in LA, so she looks after that sort of area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got Mark in Nashville. That kind of seems to be the, the bulk of where our members are based no, overseas. York, yeah. Well, I think Sam might be looking after New York as okay. well, but yeah, there you go. Maybe yeah. that's your next job. I want to go to New York. I want an excuse to go there. That'd be cool. Um, I've talked to plenty of people from New York, so hopefully I get to go over there and yep. finally meet people. What would what would be your advice for people who aren't members? Mm. What's your advice for people? I, I really do think that even um, 
all of this, you know, copyright royalties, all of that, yes, you need to know about this and join. But I also think in general, there is the the business side of the music industry, which is so important. And I think I would suggest to people that they educate themselves, things like this, listening to podcasts, what a great way to learn, you know, and, and I think, yeah. <laughs> and also just doing your research, talking to people, getting into the nitty gritty, because I do think that there's a lot of this kind of information that is so relevant and so important to know, mm. and you need to do your homework and you uh, learning this will really, really help you. Mm -hmm. So I think it's about, you know, the wider industry, understanding how it works and really taking the time to educate yourself is hugely important. Mm -hmm. um, so do Where's the best place to do that? If people want to go online and get more information on top of what we've talked about today. Well, I mean, the great thing about, you know, everything going online a couple of years ago is we really started doing so many of our sessions online. We're doing a lot of our event. We do a lot of events for members. Mm. Um, so we have our in-person events where it's very much about talking to people in the flesh and connecting and networking. But then there's the online um, events that we run that I guess my team run, which is all about learning and education and so that stuff is available for anyone mm -hmm. um to jump online and join in so we do these ones called APRA AMCOS 101 where we go through all of it mm -hmm. and all the basics and all the things that you need to know but we also run a series called the insights series and so what we do is we tackle a different topic each time so we're covering things we've got some coming up you know it's things like your music on screen um we're doing one about what's the difference between APRA AMCOS and the PPCA you know because oh, there's cool. a lot of detail yeah. in that um so there's always these online events taking place you can just jump on Zoom mm -hmm. and, you know, remain anonymous and learn away. Um, mm -hmm. I think that stuff is hugely important. So I do think following, you know, organisations like Apparamcos, following them on socials and really just keeping across a lot of that stuff that's happening. There's mm -hmm. so much that you can listen to and engage with from in, just in front of your computer. I love that. Yeah. And just as a side note as well, if someone is an Apparamcos member, do they have to be with the PPCA? As well? No. No. No, they don't have to. Um, and so, but I guess to join the PPCA, what you really want to think about is if your music again is out there um, and you're, and it's been commercially, you know, released and it's being sold and you're the copyright owner in the sound recording, it's mm -hmm. really worth contacting them and talking to them about joining up as a member. Mm. And they have a, we a website as well and you become a, like a license or as well. It's a bit of a more complicated process than APRA. <laughs> <laughs> slightly more complicated but again like you said it's worth it if you've got music mm. that you're out there and you're right if you're trying to run a business like me you, you might be independent a lot of people are going independent these days because it, there's there is far-reaching benefits to being independent like we've discussed today yeah. um then you know if you're running a business as an independent artist I, I i highly recommend and i've told people a few people to join the ppca as well just for the simple factors you got to collect your royalties from wherever you can. I agree. Get it. Um, You've got yeah. to get in there and collect them. You might yeah. as well because, you know, they're kind of – they're yours to, to take. Do you know what I also find it is just encouraging each year, like even if it starts – like I think my first APRA royalty check was like a couple of dollars mm -hmm. or like, you know, it came up on my I – don't, I don't think I got paid. I think it was like a f first time I'd sung in public and I – did my little performance report. I was so proud of myself <laughs> and it was like a dollar or something. Um, and then, but seeing that grow over yeah. years as the business develops, as I, as I develop as an artist, seeing and, and even with PPCA, each year as the checks get slightly bigger, <laughs> hopefully, it kind of just gives you something to work towards. I find it really yeah. encouraging. I'm such an analytical person so numbers are really my thing. So seeing that, it just 
is a reminder as well that I am getting better. Yeah. I'm doing more. Hopefully you're releasing more music, you know, and, and therefore your portfolio is growing and so therefore your check should grow. Absolutely. That's kind of the basic, really simplistic way of explaining it. And I think for anybody who does enjoy, you know, the analytics of this sort of thing and also just watching watching that grow, mm. if you go onto the um if you go onto the portal, you'll see there's um there's like an earnings insights where you can see what songs of yours have earned, where they've earned from, and you can mm. track it. It's really interesting to see because you know you'll get royalties from uh, all different sources, you know, radio, TV, streaming services, that sort of thing, international um, payments as well as domestic payments. And so you can go in and really see what that looks like and see where you're, you know, what's earning the most and what the spikes are. And yeah. It usually gives you a breakdown of like the top 10 or top 20 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, um, you can get in there yeah. and play around with it. It's good. No, I, I yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and it is good to see what's performing well. Um, and it also shapes, for me, it shapes my decisions moving forward as an independent artist what markets, you know, what brings in the greatest royalties, where's the return, obviously. <laughs> you have to plan long-term for that sort of stuff with with um, music because it, it's so expensive to create. And the ro- if you yeah. look at just one year's worth of royalties, you, you know, most business people would be like, what are you doing? Mm. But we're not talking about one year worth of royalties. We're talking about a career, a lifetime and your children's lifetime of royalties and the investment that is. And yep. that can be really overwhelming to think about, I think, yep. for some people. Um but I, I find it exciting. Yeah. I'd love to get to the point where my royalties is kind of like my superannuation pension. So it's like once it gets reaches high enough where I can just retire. <laughs> That's the aim, right? Yeah, well then I don't have to worry about it anymore. I'll just I'll give it off to some business manager who can deal with it and then they I can, can just then I can just do the fun <laughs> stuff, which is just writing the songs and performing and playing and creating. Well, exactly. Stuff. And the idea is to try and make all of this as simple as possible so you're not spending all your time on it. Because it should be fun. And if you're independent yep. and you do have to do all the business stuff, that can be a real killjoy. Yeah, it can. Um, for a lot of people that don't have other people around them supporting them, you can get bogged down mm. so much with the paperwork. You guys keep it really, really simple. Like, um, which Good just enables us to do what we love and still get the financial benefits from what we're doing. Yeah. Um, obviously some people really struggle with paperwork more than others. It's about finding balance. It sure is. Um, is there anything else or any other resources or, yeah. or places where people should go? Or? Oh, I was going to say, I think a really big thing that, you know, um, we all need to be really aware of is that there is funding out there as well. And I think oh, it's a yeah. really great thing for people to do your homework and look around at what's available to you in, mm-hmm. you know, whatever territory that you're you're based in. You know, we have here in Australia, we've got places like the Australia Council that offer a lot of funding to artists um, and then... And I think that, you know, and we have initiatives that we offer. We're doing, we're running something at the moment called like the Professional Development Awards. Just applied for that one. Is Excellent. it still open though, isn't it, for it's a little still, bit longer? It's yeah. st- actually, no, it might have closed mm. yesterday perhaps. Um, <laughs> well, I've applied. Yay. <laughs> Good. Let's see. Yeah, there's, so there's funding available. Maybe the fifth year of applying. You just keep applying though, right? Keep and applying. And I tell people, they're like, how'd you get the grants? Like, I just didn't take no for an answer. You just keep going until Absolutely. they say yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you know what is, I think, I think that's a really great point is don't be, um, don't be put off if you don't get because no one gets funding the first time round. That that is such that's a good rare, to know. That's because a so many real rarity. Stop applying after the first time. No, it takes a while. And some some 
you know, writing a grant has often in the past been very, very difficult. It's mm. it's starting to get easier because I think organisations are starting to realise that not everybody has to have a degree in how to write a grant in order to apply for one. Um, Still pretty challenging. I have a, yes. a very smart husband. There you He's go. He's very good at it. So. And this is the thing. You need to find yeah. other people who've applied for grants. Well, ask them for help, but also reach out to mm. those places that are offering those grants and ask them for some advice or help on how to, you know, best apply. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely, yeah, do your homework in, you know, your state-based organisations have um, have funding available, um, places like Upper Amcos to have funding available. So mm-hmm. I think really, really looking around and, you know, you can get funding for all kinds of things, touring grants, recording grants, things like that. So really worth... Professional development, professional international develop- marketing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Really important to do that. Um, one other thing I was also going to say is for anybody who is an APRA Amcos member and you're touring... There is uh, there's different member benefits that we have available, and I think Ooh. one of them that's really good for our touring members is we have some agreements with the airlines like Virgin and Qantas where you get free um, excess baggage. So anyone carrying musical equipment on their flight, mm-hmm. have a look. Go onto our website and have a look at it. You need to just you need to advise the airline prior to your flight, like. 24 hours before. I have done this. I think I travelled yeah. with Virgin to Nashville in 2019 and they let me take my guitar. Yeah. I did email them. I didn't get a response but then when I checked in and I told the girl she just – she was fine about it. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's really important yeah. to do because the amount of people that turn up to the airport and get uh, a huge – bill for excess baggage. Yeah. So just keep that in mind for the next time you're jumping on a flight with a bunch of gear. All right. So there's benefits around travel. Yes. Anything else? Um, I think just keeping an eye. Yeah, there are. There are other. There are other benefits on there. So it's worth going onto the website and having a look at member benefits. Things like you know insurance. Again, things that people need when they're mm-hmm. doing shows and touring. Um, so yeah, go on and have a look. There's kind of cheaper studio spaces and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think being across things like grants and initiatives that are available to you um, is really important. Mm-hmm. And that's probably it mm-hmm. that I can think and of. You've got off the top a group of, of um, ambassadors as well. Yeah, we How do. Oh, we've got some wonderful ambassadors who are, you know, they're, they're really they're kind of those people that are like our spokespeople. It's nice to actually hear it from the creators themselves that they, you know, support this and believe in this, and it's a it's a real thing more it's than just thing. you know someone like me talking about it. So we do have, well, you know, a lot of those people in a bunch of different places who write all kinds of different music who are mm. there um, as a real supporter of ours to kind of help to spread that word. You know, us talking about this, what you realise is there are so many people that, that don't know any of this information. No idea, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's really important. It's really important. As I said, there's money that's available and unless you know about this, yeah. it, it, it just won't come to you. And I think for all members, and I, I've taken this, I, I take it personally, but I think as a, a member of APRO, like we're all in this team together mm-hmm. and even if it's not directly related to income I get, if I'm talking to someone who has a new place or, yeah, if they, they might need a, a licence, I'm always happy to share. It's like, hey, mate, don't forget to get your APRA licence. Um, because, I mean, that that probably won't directly impact my pay. But if everyone is doing that and the country and, and businesses mm-hmm. and people become aware of these um, licences and, and what it does, yeah, 
um, because like I literally was having a, co- a coffee the other day and someone was saying, oh, yeah, Apple are trying to sting us for, <laughs> for a licence and blah, blah, blah. And we just use royalty-free music. And I, I kind of was like, well, you know, because I, I buy my coffee from them. They're my mm. local coffee. Mm. And they're obviously just completely unaware. And a lot of business, yes. smaller businesses are unaware of the importance of art and businesses and art collaboration and sponsorship. And I just said, well, actually, Apple is one of the only ways that I earn money. Yeah. And, and it really That's supports great. my art. So by them... Even if they don't want to support art in general mm. on an individual basis, it's a way for them to support arts on, on a, a national basis. And so I, I love it when I walk into venues and they've got their little APRA sticker, oh, you know, so on the front I. list. Do they still do that? Do, you, do they still print out to send out? congratulations on becoming a member because I remember when I got my certificate, I framed it and I had it on the yeah. wall. I should put it – it's in the Do you know, we now, don't do them anymore. We, we, we've definitely gone paperless yeah. um, and we still have people that do ask for, for their certificates, um, yeah. which I think we can still reprint if people ask. But, I mean, the amount of yeah. people over the years that I've spoken to that say things like, I framed my first royalty check, you know, which yeah. actually after a long time became quite a problem because people kept framing their checks and not cashing them and we have to do something with that money. Anyway, we don't right. Out checks anymore, but uh, we also didn't send out certificates. I think PPCA have, caught, have followed on. I yeah, I've got good. two checks before they finally stopped. No one it. uses checks anymore. <laughs> no one does. It's, it's, it's a novelty thing, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I actually I think Jane Splendell's brother passed away, but he used to run uh country on Keppel Festival uh-huh. up north, and he wrote a song with James. and He was talking in his podcast, he talks about how he wanted to frame it. But then he just checked it. That's great. <laughs> Love yeah. it. That's great. Because it's something to be proud of. Um, and so yeah. I was really proud of becoming a member, even though I did nothing with it for a long time. <laughs> as soon as I heard about it, I was like, heck yes, it's free. I'm signing up. <laughs> like, I'm a songwriter. Um, That's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's important. And I think on my experience, even though I didn't really, I wasn't live performing, I wasn't releasing music but mm. I was writing songs for a very long time so as soon as I found out about opera I became a member even though I probably was a member for about almost 10 years before I actually started submitting reports and doing yeah. things like that um I mean I feel like I would encourage people to join up if you're writing songs yeah doesn't matter who with or whether well, it's exactly. by yourself. Uh, you know that's a great point you know about when you join the point of joining is Yes, you can start to generate royalties, but you also sort of – I think there's this idea of this community that you're joining where, Mm. you know, we have like 110,000 members Mm. and um, you have access to all of these other things, right, and these, you know, events and learning and all all of that and benefits and initiatives that we do. But I think when you join is you have to have written or co-written an original piece of music and you have to have had um, that music – performed somewhere. So that mm-hmm. could literally be getting up at your local and doing an open mic night, you know. It could be that you've put it up on Spotify and it's been, you know, you're, you're getting it streamed on Spotify. I, think I heard somewhere, it might have been at the DAG somewhere, that a performance could even just be recorded into your phone. It doesn't have to be on a digital platform. Is that talking about um, when you're... Not, not to collect a royalty, yeah. but for copyright as copyright, far as like... Yeah. It's copyright because my... Like for example... My son came down one day, he's 10 now, but when he was about seven, he's like, Mom, I've written 22 songs. And I was like, oh, amazing. Like, where are they? He's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, they're not a song until they're written on paper. <laughs> They've got to be written down somewhere. And he's like, oh, okay. So he we went away a few days later, Mom, I've written four songs. Oh, that's great. <laughs> it was so cute. I love that. 
But I feel like that's <laughs> that's the same thing. It's like once you've got it written down somewhere mm. in Australia, I don't think this is relevant for other countries, but I know in Australia the copyright law is once it's written down and recorded somewhere in a public space, it's yes. copywritten. You are totally correct and and – and a good point is that it is different in different territories around the world. So within this territory, the way that it works is copyright is automatic. Mm-hmm. So as soon as your music is put into some kind of tangible form, it is recognised for copyright. You mm-hmm. don't have to – there's no place to go to, there's no process to go through in order to obtain copyright here. Mm-hmm. Best thing to do is, yes, write it down, whether it's your chords, your lyrics written down on paper, played into your iPhone, that sort of thing. Um, it's So some kind of recorded form – that doesn't mean an audio recording. Something yeah. that's recorded, um, it's it recognised. It doesn't have to be released. No, it does not no. need to be released. So often, you know, one of the biggest things that people would often contact us about is how how they copyright their songs mm-hmm. or asking to join so that they can copyright their songs. That is actually not what we do. So that's a really important point. We collect royalties for the copyright owners, but mm-hmm. we don't actually copyright your music. Mm-hmm. It is an automatic process. Now, there are different... Uh, laws around the world. So there are some territories where you will go and register your copyright Mm -hmm. or pay for copyright. So again, anyone who is listening would, I would encourage them to do some homework for the territory that they're based in Mm -hmm. and make sure they are across what those copyright laws are within that territory. Before I was releasing music, I just mainly use it as a way of cataloging and keeping track of what songs I'd written. (laughs) And there's a lot of songs that I've written, uh, that I've written, I've put up in um, APRA that I've maybe performed a couple of times live but they might not be the type of songs that I do record and release like you know and but there's still a copyright attached to it and if I've performed it in public there's still that performance royalty that can come through for it Mm -hmm. so every song no matter what the plan is and I'm guilty of this I definitely have songs I've written that I haven't bothered (laughs) to record um but I do think that it's one of those things that it's a great way to catalogue and keep track of the songs you have written um and then even if you just public performance yeah. in a, a small place, yeah. um, it's still important to, to let the venues know. I think so too. And, and I think, you know, that idea of when you join is when you've done that performance. But once you're a member, you can register whatever you want. Mm. You know, register. it doesn't have to be out there getting performed. So I really encourage people, once you go, you know what, that song's finished, mm. like I've finished writing it, it doesn't have to be recorded, it doesn't have to be released, get it registered. You said that you had over 100,000, 110,000 members. Mm. How many of them would you say are very active in the industry? You know, it's a really difficult thing to, you know, determine what active means mm-hmm. um, because we have so many of our members that are actively writing, you know, and they are, you know, they're, they're, they're actively being creative but they may not necessarily be earning. And then we have people that are earning obviously huge like amounts of money. <laughs> that yeah. was me. I was just writing and not earning. Absolutely. We have so many people that, you know, will, will uh, just be performing and gigging, um, you know, and then there's the people getting lots of airplay or lots of streams. It's really difficult to determine but I would say um, – no, I wouldn't say. I don't even know. Don't I couldn't know. tell yeah. you, to be honest. Um, but of 110,000 members, obviously there are many of them who probably are no longer writing mm-hmm. and performing. So a lot of people who were in the past. Mm. Um, so, the, you know, it's, it's of it's, those it's people. It's one of those industries where people come in and they, yeah. they'll do it for a bit and then they decide it's not for them. Yes. It's just like any industry. Like I used to be a personal trainer. I think the personal lifespan of a personal trainer is about nine months. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who lasts longer than nine months. Was doing pretty well. Like obviously, you're passionate <laughs> about it. Um, I survived the nine months, but I think the same thing. Mm. I don't actually know what the 
I think I think someone told me it was about two years. A lot of some people come into the industry and they'll go gun ho for about two years and they learn so much and they you know experience what it's like. Yeah. And it's only that way, even in the film industry, which I work in, you know, so mm. many people come in and you've got this glamorised idea of what it's going to be like mm. um, and maybe don't understand just how much hard work <laughs> is yeah. involved and realise actually, do you know what, that's the, not the life that I was looking for and maybe another career is more suited. I also think a lot of people may may think that they want it to be their career and and yes they may go through that where they mm. think okay this isn't going to be my career and often I mean we see people there are ebbs and flows right mm. someone will say I haven't done anything for 10 years and I'm back again you know mm. I haven't picked up my guitar in five years but I'm going to start to and you know and we and we hear from those people all the time mm. who are may not have done something for a while but they're back again and and so I think those ebbs and flows are really true when it comes to songwriting because the beauty of songwriting and music is that you can do it at any stage in your life mm. and that's what's so amazing about it um That's i was good. just gonna say something and now i can't remember what it was people just coming back active i don't know i'm trying to think of what you might have been i was gonna ask um and it, it's kind of a tired topic but i feel like covid obviously had a big impact mm. on apra and all of its members on some level mm. um how did you guys manage that what was the biggest change i know that the digital side of things Obviously, everyone started performing live online. Yeah. What was that like? What's happening? Oh, it there? was huge. And, and, you know, the music industry suffered so terribly during that time. And I think that particularly for an organisation like APRA AMCOS, our job is to support our members and mm. realising that our members weren't earning was huge. So we did a bunch of different work. We did like these quick round grants where we were offering people um, – money to just support them basically yeah. not for anything even in particular but people who were just to help them get mm. on their feet again we, we did a bunch of those mm. um so people could just apply and we're paying out like small grants to people just to help them yeah. we also offered it was about the fact that the nature the way that people were performing changed so you're yeah. right everyone started doing online performances mm. so we had to really change what we were doing so we have always done performance reports so those live performances no one was performing live, but everyone was doing it online. So we had to create a whole new uh, way of distributing that money and finding a way for people to then report to us their online live performances. So how does that work? Is it very similar to... Yeah, it is. And and it's a really important one. There are It's a live streaming performance report. So it's just another form that's available to all of our members. So anyone mm -hmm. who is doing it, and it's it's on platforms like TikTok and Facebook um, where any of those... Um, so you go live and you're performing songs? Yes. Huh. So you can submit. I've never done that before. Yeah, it's really... <laughs> I mean, I've never submitted a performance report for songs that I've recorded on a live performance. Yep. So get on there and have a look. Yep. So live streaming performance reports. And the the interesting part about that is that's something we had to create during mm. COVID and it's continued on and we'll keep that now. That's yep. something that everyone is doing and it's a really important So that key. means Facebook and TikTok and those big companies mm. are paying like a licence fee for those people who are performing live, yeah, exactly. Similar? I mean, they all have to they all have to have a license with us, you know, mm -hmm. because of what they do. So there are different ways that people earn from those platforms, and that's one of them. That's the that's yep. the that's the one where you can self report. I'm going to start us. an online live thing <laughs> every do week it. now. <laughs> Here's all of my original songs once a week. <laughs> I love it. It's, this is the thing, right? Why not, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, because it, it can be hard sometimes to organise a venue, and then you got to get people there, and mm -hmm. it's like. 
with live stuff, you can just click live and away you go. And if people want to join, they join. If they don't want to join, they don't join. That's exactly right. Yeah. Would it work if it's on something like Zoom or does it have to be on one of the... No, it's yeah. on... Is there like a list of which websites? Do you know what? I wrote this down before because I was like, oh, okay. I was trying to remember. Like, there's what's so it. many websites, huge amount of websites you can go live on. It's hard to keep track. I know. it. So it's for um, it's for AU or NZ-based live performances streamed on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube or TikTok. Just those ones? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And there are ways for people to go live on Facebook and YouTube at the same time, right? For example, yep. um, I can't think of the name, StreamYard, right? You can you can do the one live performance but it gets streamed to both of those things but that would still be classified as one performance or would you have to put it down as two? No, you could probably put it down as two. If it's being streamed on the two different platforms, I think that would be uh, – I think that would be, yeah, technically two yeah. different performances. I love that. Well, there you go, guys. We've just given – if you've gotten this far in the podcast, you've just got a secret <laughs> tip on how to double up your performance time. Love it. Um, <laughs> People are definitely going to join now that they've listened to this. <laughs> Good. Um, they're probably going to start playing games with Siri. <laughs> I love it. Uh, and, and the events, like you do, you've got co-writing events, you've got educational mm. events, you've got networking events. I met the guy that did my EP at an APRA event and oh. I hadn't recorded anything. I just, you know, met him there and he was one of the guest speakers and then fabulous Bob's your uncle. I love it. Yeah, it was, and it's good. It's, I mean, and, and before when I was a shy little writing in my bedroom, didn't know anything and didn't know anyone, I was going to the events in Melbourne like 10 years ago and I would yeah. sit in the back and I was quiet but I was learning away, you know. It's great. And it, it is. It's, and it's, I think it's about getting out there and actually doing that. And, and the nice thing is when you meet people who are – Doing the same thing you're doing. I mean, that's it's lovely. You, I you felt actually... like a phony the first time I went. You know, yeah. Because like I was like, oh, I'm not really a member. I'm not really a songwriter. I'm not really, you know, I've just got this certificate in the mail, which I'm really proud of. But like, am I allowed to be here? Yeah. And this is the <laughs> yeah. thing. I think a lot of people. I think that's the nature of many people who are artists or creators. They find it really difficult to even call themselves a songwriter or call themselves an artist. You know, mm. until you feel like somewhere at some point you you suddenly belong in some club there's no club yeah there's no club there's no club yeah. um but i think that stuff is Get really important just not feeling like you belong <laughs> yeah i think that's exactly right that's exactly right we've been doing these events too lately called the connect sessions and they're in person events and that's really yeah. nice to to be doing those again and we do things like speed speed dating sessions where it's mm-hmm. like you have you know maybe eight different people from the industry and that could be managers bookers record labels publishers all kinds of people and you get the chance to sit down and get sort of 10 minutes with them and mm. um, chat away. So that, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you, you really learn, I think, in those, oh, in those environments. Yeah, it's, it's hugely important. So, so get, get on board with those sorts of things. Yeah. And mm. that's where we learn and that's what we create here. Like we do events and we try to, you know, inspire each other with these podcasts that we create but also learn as we're going and write new songs because the world needs new songs. It new sure songs does. are very important. We need new songs in the world. That is a part of like storytelling is a part of how we encapture our culture as it is right now. You know, and if we don't have art to tell the future who we are, then it gets lost. I think we are done. I think so too. What we do need to say is on the podcast and on the website, there's going to be a description that has links to APRA so you can go become a member, APRA AMCOS, and... On that website, there's also heaps of member information and all the perks that we've talked about from today. So that's going to be on songwritertrist.com and 
everywhere. So you'll be able to link into their socials, all their events. There is like if you go on um, Instagram even there's like APRA AMCOS Australia and then there's all the different countries. I've noticed there are different groups on Facebook if you're travelling. There's usually like a Facebook group for I think there's APRA AMCOS Nashville for example or APRA AMCOS LA. Um, So there there is tons of ways to connect into the right groups for you. So, yeah, we're going to have all of that information there for everyone to go and click and find out and join the club and be a part of the songwriting club in Australia. I love it. (laughs) It's the club where everyone belongs. (laughs) (laughs) There was one thing I was thinking of. Okay, good. Um, We have as well um, one of the initiatives that we have is um, we have the National Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Music Office and so that's run within APRA AMCOS. So for any of our composers who are Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander, it's a really wonderful um, place that you can go to and and, um, have some advice and some help from – some amazing people in the industry who run, we call it Natsimo. Mm -hmm. So for anyone who is National um, and Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander composer, I definitely suggest jump onto our website and have a look and there's a connection that you can make with them. So feel free to reach out. So what what do they actually cover on top of the membership stuff? Is it just cultural stuff? Yeah, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of uh, work that they're doing in that space specifically for, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of cultural sensitivity around, you know, the creation of music and Mm and, uh, but also running events and and doing things specifically for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander composers and so um, some really great initiatives that they're also doing off their own back. So again, a really great thing to, to jump into and have a look. Yeah, and if that's the right fit for you, then awesome. It yeah. sounds like you've created, or Upper Amcos has created, a lot of different spaces for everyone in their own niche or whatever it is to find what works for them. And it, it may take a little bit of time, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's about working together and it's a part like with the independent artists, like you said, it's about creating that team. APRA AMCOS is just a big part of that team and it's probably one of the first members of your team that you need to get on board. Um, That's a really good point yeah. and, and I do agree with that. And I will say that there are actual humans to talk to. Which is so nice. <laughs> yes. So please do reach out. You know, there are things like you can, if you don't want to talk to someone, you can email or do live chat on our website or pick up the phone and call us. We have people who will help you and guide you through any of your questions. And we get asked all kinds of things and we'll always do our best to help uh, guide you in the right direction. Which is awesome. And, like, you know, things will come up. Like I've had in, in uh, dispute, in dispute, oh, yes. and it pops up next to my, my membership and it's from a song that nothing ever happened with from 10 years ago or you know, whatever. And I think it must have just been that it had the same name as another song yeah. that had gone huge internationally and so they were kind of like, oh, is this that song or not? Mm-hmm. Um I think that's maybe what happened. I can't really remember. I just remember asking about it and they were like, oh, yeah, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but it's nice because it, it yeah. just means that there's kind of real-life feedback on what's going on with your copyright, what's going on in the world, um, and it's just another area that you then don't have to worry about. Absolutely. I, I think so too. And there's often, um, you know, it can get a bit complex, this area. So do feel, do reach out <laughs> and ask us and we will help to debunk the myths and help out with things like that, you know. It's mm. really – that's our job. Yeah, and we need all the help we can get. And there are loads of local representatives all over the place. Like, you're local to me, but yes. there's... Yeah, there are. There, there are people everywhere. scattered all around um, the place doing, doing you know, this sort of job within within that area. So you'll find there'll be someone local to you that you can reach out to. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much, Caroline, for jumping on and sharing so much. I'm really looking forward to 
getting this out to the world and, and you know, bringing new songwriters into the APRA Amcross family. Yeah, please do. And thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining our songwriter Tris today. To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Please leave a review and subscribe. To support the podcast or contact me or our guest, please go to the website, songwritertrists.com. Crowd, no one can-